Welcome to an emergency podcast episode of the Podium Podcast. Uh, normally, we would be recording on Friday, but you know we just had to stop by for this ginormous James Harden trade that just went down. Um, before I uh, get into it with the scene, I'm just gonna you know give you guys the trade and all the little details that happened. So the Rockets so much uh, received. Went down. Oh my god! <laughs> all right, the Rockets received. Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Kuruks, three first round picks for Brooklyn, which are 2022, 2024, 2026. One Milwaukee first round pick 2020 or from 2022, which is unprotected. Um, and four Brooklyn first round swaps, which are 21, 23, 25, and 27. The Nets got James Harden. The Pacers got Karis LeVert in a second rounder from... I don't know who the second round is from. Hmm. And then the Cavs got Jared Allen and Torian Prince. All right. I'm joined by Big T. And, What's up, uh, Eric? We've had a lot of conversations about this already, I feel like. but um, We have, but we need to share our thoughts for the people. Just uh, try and gather together all your first initial thoughts. And then after you, you've been able to think about it for a little bit, how do you feel? What are your opinions on who won? And all that stuff. Okay, honestly. All right. We're dealing... I'm seeing that a lot of the prevailing opinion is pessimism, right? Like, not just among, like... Like, from all sorts of the spectrum, you know? Nets fans, common NBA fans, on basically all social media forums. Like, I'm seeing a lot of people saying this team is going to implode. There's only one ball, etc. Have you been seeing mm-hmm. like similar sentiment, Eric? Yeah, I feel like everyone's like, "Oh, the the Rockets gave or the Nets gave up too much, yada yada yada." But you know, I don't. Know. So James Dude, Harden, Harden's the heart. Like, okay, is... <laughs> the only player that we can compare this trade to, maybe like Anthony Davis. Yeah, there and hasn't really then, been this high level. Even that, yeah. Star. Harden is a consistent, not just MVP candidate, MVP front runner. Single-handedly elevates your team enormously and is perfectly built for the modern NBA as well. And on top of that, you're getting him for two years and you are the team that he specifically wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. I, uh... Yeah, I mean, if we think about what the Lakers gave up in the Anthony Davis trade, right? You had the three first-round picks. You had Hart, Ingram, Ingram, Lonzo, right? And so if you, like, kind of compare this, like, Ingram, Levert, sure. Ingram's better. I mean, okay, Ingram wasn't as good at the time, but significantly younger and has panned out to be thus far better. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Kuroks doesn't really compare to Hart or... Lonzo. I think Jarrett Jarrett Allen merits discussion, however, because thus far I he agree. was like, yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. he's an emerging young interior force, I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think so. The Rockets obviously got a lot out of a situation that was looking pretty dire, um, <laughs> given Not, what oh happened. God. Do you remember over the off season we were like Tillman Fertitta is going to run the Rockets into the ground? This poor new GM had to step up, but my God, did he make something out of this 
that situation he was in both by ta- like honestly props to the Rockets like I'm going all the way back to like swapping Westbrook for John Wall and picking up Boogie Cousins mm-hmm. they they took risks they took a lot of risks here they traded away both their stars took on a guy coming who hasn't played in a what two years for his two Achilles years. yeah two years and then you have Marcus Cousin who was coming off like Achilles ACL back to back as well, and that, mm-hmm. and you took Christian Wood in free agency. Who God, that was, I mean, that was the most flashed. that was the most underrated signing of the of the free agency. They got him for so cheap. I don't understand how there wasn't okay. I fi- I thought one team would just spend the I, honestly maybe the Knicks. I, I was coping the Knicks low key, but we already have. MVP candidate Julius Randles. Um, but, like, you'd think a team would pay a lot for him, given just the sheer ceiling that he flashed. Yeah, I thought he, he was going to get, like, 18 to 20 million. He only ended up with In a nine. week off season, like, we're talking Fred Van Vliet out here is, like, the leading money getter, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, you would think someone oh, no. would get desperate. I That's know, a whole other conversation, I... but... That move panned out beautifully thus far. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the the big discussion here is how the Nets fare with what's going on with Kyrie, how James Harden's been acting. And then, you know, Kevin Durant's just moseying along, just carrying the team right now. Yo, he's like, just casually putting up 20, like 29, 8 and 8, like, mm-hmm. or 8 and 6. Dude, he's having a KD is having himself a season. Like, he's probably not even in full form yet. Mm-hmm. But like, he's looking dude, like a top three guy in the league again. Yeah, for sure. This dude is coming off a torn Achilles. He had COVID, and like that can like that can take do a number on your cardiovascular ability. He doesn't seem he seems more than fine. He's great. He's having his best scoring season in what five years. Mm-hmm. You know, but Kyrie's a. I'm sorry, I meant to cut yeah, you off. You there? No, I was just about to talk about Kyrie too. I just, uh, the, I don't have doubts about if they were to play on the court together. It's just getting on the court together and all the off the off the court issues and like I, I, you know, I actually really like super teams because I like the idea of seeing all the star power work together. And that's weird coming from a Jazz fan, given that we don't. We never have super teams, ah, um, maybe, but maybe that's have, what, right. Yeah, maybe that's why I want it so bad. Um, but like when when Durant joined the Warriors, obviously I was like, okay, yeah, the league is screwed. But also I was like, I want to see how amazing these three can be when they or four can be when they when they play with each other. And now with these three coming Dude, together, I'm back, like, that's the best team ever. I know, and I'm just I like I'm excited that I was able to live through that, which is why I'm excited to watch these three play. Um, that's like, dude, like when we're old heads, that Warriors team with KD, Steph, Clay, Draymond, like that's when we're gonna tell, like, so we're gonna tell our kids and be like, none of the teams the that you guys are talking, like the Bronny James Jr. led squad doesn't match up to that Warriors team we saw. Uh-huh. How do you exactly? So, what do you envision this Nets team? Okay, oh my God, like first of all, Kyrie's, I don't know where his head's at. Um, I'm seeing a lot of different theories as to where he is partying, who he is partying with, 
um, mm -hmm. clearly maskless, effectively being a super spreader single-handedly. Like, dude, I, the fact's uh... like... It's problematic. And not to mention, Harden demonstrated some similar behavior over the summer, and he is clearly out of shape right now. So, so there's a couple things I've heard about Kyrie is that maybe he was affected by the, the storming of the Capitol mm -hmm. and it just happened that at similar times that it was his sister's 30th birthday or something yeah, like that. Yeah, his sister's 30th birthday. But, you know, that doesn't excuse not wearing a mask, doesn't excuse, you know, social dis not social distancing. And I think Crusoe decided to skip on his sister's wedding in the bubble, right? And it's like, yeah, you know, if you care enough about the league and the game and obviously i understand that you know family is important but you know i mean family is important and to be fair to Kyrie, like he he puts his money where his mouth is when it comes to social justice he has he's literally funding documentaries regarding the issue you know and he is he's done his part as an activist and it's obvious that that matters mm -hmm. but I, mean, I don't this i don't think this is a social justice thing though Unless you're talking yeah, about the, the thing the is, what thing. he's doing, like, I guess that's more in response to your first point, as like he was highly affected by what happened in the Capitol. I mean, who wasn't? Mm -hmm. I just sat there on the couch in shock that day, honestly. Yeah, I've never watched as around. much CNN. <laughs> um, oh, but Kyrie, but, it's like, but like then he's acting so, he's acting so irresponsibly, missing multiple games and putting everyone around him at risk what do you think about uh what Stephen a said about Kyrie should retire that he should retire okay look, it doesn't Stephen seem like a he wants to paid, play Stephen a is paid um to say crazy things that's kind of how this mm -hmm. whole hot take artist thing works on tv and i mean it is entertainment like i'd rather hear i Sometimes I'd rather hear that than someone who is spewing like straight statistical analysis all the time. But I do think the core of his argument is something that the Nets should be concerned about. Is Kyrie Irving's head like, okay, he's clearly a talented player and he can help you win. Could be a crucial, I mean, he has been a crucial championship winning player. Is his head in the right place right now? Is does he have enough to give to basketball at this very moment? And will he be able to do so like when the team really needs him? I mean, if you think about it, he also opted out of the bubble and was really adamant about not playing, maybe partially due to the, the Black Lives Matter movements, but he was not really super into playing during COVID and in the bubble, and now this is happening and it seems like he's kind of just, you know, whatever about playing and clearly has different priorities so yeah I, I think the the main thing is getting him back to the team re-motivated re-energized maybe James Harden changes that um and you know because I think if those three can get on the court at the same time then they'll be huge and dynamic like I don't think any like people who are arguing that the ball there's not enough ball to go around Kyrie and KD played really well together for the couple games that we saw and yeah. if you if you remember a couple of years ago, James Harden was saying how he wanted to get back to OKC and or like the OKC style of him being more of an off ball cutter because yeah, you know he wants to play beautiful basketball. 
So I, I mean, James Harden has been like, okay, obviously James Harden has played a very ball dominant style. That was like further sent through the roof by Mike D'Antoni. Um, mm-hmm. Because Mike D'Antoni looked at the roster and was like, the most effective way for us to win games and score buckets is to put the ball in James Harden's hand and keep it there unless someone is open for three. Um, but he has played, I would say there's like three main phases to the offensive role that James Harden has played and all of which can finally be used in Brooklyn. So phase one is the OKC role that you described. He was like highly like an off ball cutter, um, was comfortable like spotting up to shoot. And he would like come off the bench and also be like a secondary playmaker. I think that's the best role he has when it comes to like playing off of other stars, playing a more complimentary role. And it's going to be exciting to see this like peak James Harden at that because his basketball IQ has only improved since then. Agreed. Would you uh, have phase? Yeah, oh, I was going to say, like, go ahead. Go ahead. Say your phases. So, phase two is. This is pre-Mike D'Antoni and while they still had Dwight Howard. So he was still like more of a traditional scorer. But this version of James Harden was like a pick and roll maestro, basically. And you also saw <laughs> it in action with Clint Capella after Dwight Howard. This was like still pre-Mike D'Antoni, like having James Harden launch like 30 step backs a game. But I think that this James Harden demonstrates just what first of all like this was when his like lethal scoring like shot creation ability was fully unleashed right but also oh, sorry i'm just i'm just thinking about it real quick uh, a james harden kevin durant pick and roll would be nasty dude Ooh. exactly what i was going to get to you just read my like, mind brother like you were i like regardless of Kyrie's there or not oh man Ooh. dude like you realize that a James Harden Dwight Howard pick and roll was nasty, and a James Harden Clint Capella pick and roll was nasty. Both of those at their best are rim runners. You know what we have with KD? Like everything. <laughs> oh my god! First, <laughs> imagine everything. the pick and pop is going to be phenomenal. They can run the pick and roll both ways. KD is having a fin- KD is a well above average playmaker, and like they can run the pick and roll both ways effectively at this point considering that James Harden wants to get back to his off-ball cutting role. Yeah, like, that's terrifying. They can run pick they can run pick and pop, flare screens, you name it. Oh my god. Like and do you know who the head coach is? Steve Nash. Like if there's anyone who knows these types of plays, it's Steve Nash. This is true. It's going to be insane. Like, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully that is everyone obscene. can they can play together. And phase three, real quick, the phase three of Harden, Mike D'Antoni era. Mind you, Mike D'Antoni is there, so hey. Um, But this is when James Harden was fully empowered as a lead playmaker. Like, this is when you could see, like, he could literally lead the league in assists Mm -hmm. and single-handedly elevate an entire offense, both as a playmaker and as a lead scorer. Personally, what I want to see in Brooklyn, I want to see James Harden, like, I want to see him unleashed as, like, both playmaker and off-ball player. I think it's... I think that James Harden possesses such potent qualities for the modern NBA 
which is basically run by wing playmaking and wing scoring and also off-ball threats to play off of superstars. And I think James Harden can simultaneously be all three on this team. Do you think that Mike D'Antoni's upset? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I finally got away from this dude. And then they ship him over here. Oh, I, I'm sure he's upset. He went from having to construct an <laughs> offense around uh, James Harden. Well, okay, no, not just James. Well, no, first year was basically just James Harden. Scratch that. And then, like, went from, like, James Harden and Capella to James Harden and Chris Paul to Harden, Westbrook, Rocco, P.J. Tucker, Small Ball to Small now ball. he gets he gets Kevin Durant, like... I think, can, can we go back to Colin Katie, the best ISO scorer in the league? Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to think who else that would be. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, thinking about the best ISO scorers, it's either Katie or mm, James Harden or, or maybe Kyrie. Maybe mm. Kyrie. Mm. So <laughs> you got Katie mm. there. And also, Katie is a phenomenal off ball weapon. We seen how he plays in an off-ball role in Golden State playing off the best shooters in the world. Like, what's the only difference here? He's going to get the ball a little more, which will probably make him happier than he was in Golden State. Mm-hmm. I, like, I think, so this is James Harden's best two teammates since um, OKC, right? Okay, really? wait. Most talented too, yes. And I mean, yeah. Am I missing someone? I okay. So. Here, well, the thing is, it comes down... Okay, obviously, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. think this version of Kevin Durant's better than 22-year-old Kevin Durant. But um, is it better than MVP Kevin Durant? <laughs> MVP Kevin Durant was phenomenal, uh, for obvious reason. But the valuation of Kyrie is interesting. Uh-huh. Because... One of the questions that comes up with this roster, you pointed at yourself with um, the three best ISO scorers argument. Are Kyrie's skills redundant with the rest of the team? What do you think? No, I don't think... Well, especially if James Harden takes on more of a off-ball role, then no, I don't think it is. Because I think what you have is three so Kyrie can bring the ball up sure but you, you have three different guys who can start an offense or run an offense and you also have three different the same three guys in any order can finish the play right and so I, I feel like you just have this insane offensive vers- versatility that almost no other team in the league has right now and I know that people are talking about their bench depth but I don't really don't think that's an issue at all like we looked at it you still have an old DeAndre Jordan who can get rebounds, maybe not as good defensively, but he's still a big man in the lane, right? Dude, you play him, he gets six boards a game in 17 minutes. Like, you play him 25, he'll get it. He'll get enough. And I mean, right? KD can get you eight Fine. boards a game. Harden can get you, like, seven to ten boards Ooh. a game. You're Bruce chilling. Brown. Bruce Brown had, like, 15 and 10 tonight. Yo, Bruce Brown, okay, that man's a hustle player. Like, yeah, exactly. That's all you need. The way and then their role players, Joe are Harris, Joe Harris, and Shamit just sit on the wings and wait. <sighs> oh my God, they're gonna be left. Also, like, you got three dudes. You'll probably have to double at some point. 
That's what I'm you'll saying. probably end up leaving like the option. Like, who are you going to leave open? Like, like first of all, that leaves like a forty-five percent three-point shooter. Dude, like, Joe Harris, let's say you like, double okay. KD, right? Mm-hmm. What's up? Yeah, yeah no, like, go ahead. Let's say you double KD, and then first of all, you basically have Harden and Kyrie in single coverage. And who are you coming off? Like, DeAndre Jordan can run to the rim. And all three of them are strong enough passers. Like, whoever has the ball is a strong enough passer to get him the ball. And also, like, we have some really good pick-and-roll players to work with a rim runner. Um, You leave a shooter like Harris, Shamit, Open, off-ball player like uh, TLC, like... They'll hit the shot. That's a three. They'll hit the shots. I don't, you know, I'm, I feel like, I'm excited we're, on, I feel for like this we're, we're on the same page here, you know, and I think I'll play know, a little devil's about... advocate. Um, okay, let's go ahead. Which is hard to because I'm a bad liar, but um, okay, I will say real quick. Um, one of the concerns with this team, I mean, the con- the biggest concern with this team is availability, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Harden's not in shape, and that means you can get injured more easily. Like, knock on wood, he has been extremely durable throughout his career, but he can... He's more susceptible to injuries, which is not good. And also, he has a tendency to run out of gas in the postseason. I think being, like, on a team with two dudes who can bear such an offensive load will help. Mm -hmm. And if he can play himself into shape by the postseason, we're good. I mean, you just, you know, answered your own question for you, which is, you know, he won't have to do as much, so he won't be as tired in the postseason. And then, you know, I think his weight is definitely, or appears to be an issue, but, you know. No, Nets need a post defender anyways. We're good. It's true. They need a, they need a, a little chunky boy down low, clog up the lane and his vein, clogs up the lane and his veins. <laughs> oh, <Anyway. God. laughs> Um, um, Kyrie's so, availability is going to remain an issue regardless of his health, though. That is yes. the biggest question mark with this team. And the way it's constructed, yes, the depth is fine as long as your big three is there. If mm-hmm. you're missing one member of the big three, honestly, you're still a really good team, but like, then you get worried. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I, I definitely do understand all the availability issues and the risk that the Nets took in making this trade, especially with everything that's going on. But I think if they can work a way out to find yet all three of those guys on the court at the same time, that's the finals level team easily. Also, like something people forget, right? Because we, we love looking at starting fives and like the best squad. Mm-hmm. The starting five won't be playing 48 minutes a game. And I also completely forgot to devil's advocate myself. But do you realize like, just how awesome, like, staggered combinations of these guys could be? Or you could mm-hmm. just be like, all right, Kyrie, you're sick of being the third option. Here, we're going to sit you a little bit earlier in the first. But then you get to come on with the bench and just be a darn flamethrower against other teams' second exactly. units. How does that sound exactly. to you? Mm-hmm. Like having you're going to have Harden, one of these JD three on the floor... Yeah. I at think they should times. try to have try to have two of them on the floor at all times. I think you can probably you can probably finesse a r- lineup with all with two of them on the court at all times, especially like 
KD is going to get his legs under him as the season goes on. Like that's just a given. Um, mm-hmm. Harden's going to get into better shape as the season goes on. Uh, hopefully, Kyrie's there mentally. Hopefully, All right, there so... are there are question marks. You know, like those are. They're... Yeah, I think those are the question marks. Or... Uh, the other question mark is defense. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, true. No. Who needs defense when you can basically lock in 140 points? Yeah, okay. So, let's see. DeAndre Jordan is big, but not really as great of a defender as, as he used to be. He'll take up space. Sure. Katie is an improved room defender, and his lanky can guard probably, like, bigger, slower twos, probably. But he's, like, long enough where um... he can recover on faster guys right yeah his length definitely helps and i think well there's a number of very interesting i think okay this also we haven't talked enough about the coaching staff um well nash and d'antoni are absolute geniuses on offense to pair with these guys um i hope their defensive assistant is good to make I mean, up for their were, head coaches. I don't know if it was just the teams they played at the beginning of the season, but weren't they at They looked top fine defense? on defense thus far, yeah. I mean, I think a little so, it's kind of been all over the place since Dinwiddie and... The Nets have kind of yeah, been all over I mean, the place. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not really sure. Well, I mean, the season's been all over the place, so I don't know what to think that of their defense. No, I think they did enough to make us go, oh, there's defensive potential here. Um, but maybe that was Jared Allen. I don't know. Jared Allen is a big piece of their defense that they lose, but I think, okay, if you're, I think that the defense, if you look at the defensive side of the ball, it's kind of easy to say like, all right, DeAndre Jordan, you're the backbone of the defense. Oh no. You kind of suck a lot more than you used to. And you're like a half step slower and your game is entirely dependent on athleticism. Oh no. Um, I think, the defensive player you have to build around here is Kevin Durant. Okay. So, I agree. honestly, I think that Kevin, like the best blueprint to look for from KD, and we're not saying that I'm not saying he'll be as good at it. Um, two blueprints. Number one, KD himself in the Warriors. He got to play <laughs> more of like. A little bit of defensive free safety along with Draymond. And in particular, was a phenomenal weak side defender. In other words, he helped make up for the fact that, like, you know, Draymond's a little vertically challenged. And mm-hmm. basically gave the team a good rim protector. Yeah, I think you can do the same thing in Brooklyn. So, I mean, when it comes to interior defense, like, modern NBA... Rim protection is what you need here. Like being able to bot, like go up against like a Joel Embiid type in the post is not that common. You're not gonna have to deal with Jokic in the playoffs unless the Nuggets make the. Um, a lot of bigs end up playing outside anyways. You only have to deal with one Joel Embiid. Um, so KD's rim protection is huge. Other tar- other template, um, the way Giannis plays defense. Nah. Like you don't send Giannis. You know, man. Okay. I know it's different. But, like, you send Giannis out there, and you kind of just tell him, 
make havoc with your lankiness. And then he does that. And then Brooke Lopez kind of cleans up behind him. I think you can make like a Walmart version of that between KD and DeAndre. What's making you say, eh? Yeah, yeah, well, it's going to be like a Payless version of that. It's like you don't have a Brooke Lopez who's one of the best interior defenders in the league. And KD doesn't play with the same motor on defense that Giannis does. Look, it's a cheaper version here, but I think the main theme to look at is the using him as a disruptor on defense, right? Okay. Instead of like focus, honing in on like, all right, KD, I need you to match up with like one guy. Although he certainly can do that. Like I think I would want out of all the players on the team, I'd probably want KD matching up with Tatum. But I think that using him in this like kind of weak side rim protector wreak havoc sort of role helps the Nets be aggressive on defense. Mm-hmm. You know what to see? Also, I think to see. We've been talking oh, for thirty minutes here. I think we should save a little bit for the podcast on Friday. <laughs> Dude, I feel so bad. I haven't let you get enough words in. I am just so excited by this team. It's okay. I've gotten plenty of words in. I just, you know, it's getting to the point where it's not an emergency anymore. (laughs) Ah, I'm still, dude, I'm still losing it. This team is insane. We We will recap and reconvene on our Thursday night for Friday. Okay. Bro, we have to get through the other teams. <laughs> it, it's I, it's fine. We 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 can do it. Okay, we have. Oh, we can do it. I'm we're sure. Gonna, I'm we're just gonna zoom through the. We're gonna zoom through the NFL because you know. <laughs> Dude, there's only there's only four games. What are the what are the playoffs even at this point? This is insane. Every single team has come out. I'm sorry. I know you want this to end, and I will be quick. But literally, the Rockets and Pacers have shot up my list of teams to watch now. The Nets haven't shot up your list? Nets were, like, number two after the Knicks. They'll stay yeah. there. And and after the Jazz. Uh, I don't know. I've heard you complain enough. I don't know if I want that. Yeah, yeah I have complained enough. I don't, you know... It's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. Did you guys whip the Bucks earlier? We did, but you know, I wasn't I wasn't happy with that because you know the Jazz. I need to see it from from beating bad teams makes me know the Jazz are right. It's a weird thing as a Jazz fan. I don't know how to explain it. That's a strange strange thing to explain, but it has been a pleasure hopping on this emergency podcast with you, my good friend Eric. Agreed. We will see. I'll talk to you later and we can record again. Literally on tomorrow. Thursday night. So, yeah. All right. See you guys uh, later. Yeah, we'll see there. you guys in a couple days. Um, but, yeah. All right. Peace.